Hey, it's Todd coming from the uh, library of of uh, sports and spirituality in sunny Verona, and uh, I'm gonna do some Packers Pride today. I'm gonna read from this, and the book is from uh, book is written by Leroy 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 Butler and Rob Reichel. Forward is by Willie Davis. Copyright 2013. And I'm going to start off reading about, about a, ba- a Packer legend. Bart Starr. 20 minutes. That's how long it took for Bart to know his life was about to dramatically improve. Summer of 1959, Starr was 20 minutes into his first meeting with new head coach Vince Lombardi. And that's when Star knew things were going to be different in tiny Green Bay, where losing had become the norm. At his first opportunity, Star ran to the phone to call his wife, Sherry. He said, Honey, we're going to begin to win, Star recalled. There's no way Star knew just how much. Between 1961 and 1967, Green Bay not only won, it dominated. Packers captured five championships, including three in a row from 1965 to 1967, and became the only team in NFL history to win three consecutive titles. Starr proved to be the ultimate trigger man. Starr was named to the Pro Bowl four times and was the most valuable player of the Super Bowl one and two. Starr was the NFL MVP in 1966, when he had a quarterback rating of 105.0, he threw 14 touchdowns and just three interceptions. Star of the NFL in 1962-64-66. Set almost every quarterbacking record in Packer history before Brett Favre came along. Most importantly, though, was the fact Star helped to guide Green Bay to a 74-20-4 record, regular season record between 1961 and 1967. For his remarkable accomplishments, Starr was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1977. You couldn't find a quarterback better than suited for our offense than Bart, running back Jim Taylor, said of Starr. For my money, he's the best quarterback of all time. More than five decades after his career exploded, it still seems remarkable that Starr is in the discussion of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Starr was sidelined for much of his junior and senior season at University of Alabama due to back injuries, and with the NFL, the NFL brass leery of him physically, he he wasn't even chosen until the seventeenth round of the sixty six draft the fifty sixth draft. Star endured three rather nondescript seasons in which he played under Wild Blackburn and Scooter McLean and threw thirteen touchdown passes and twenty five interceptions. That time Star never could win the starting job all right. Before Lombardi's arrival, Green Bay's offensive playbook was a hodgepodge of plays gathered from various coaches throughout the, through the years.
gobbledygook, Star called it. Immediately, that changed. Lombardi brought a system that was clean, simplistic, and disciplined. The four-inch playbook McLean used was now on was now an inch and a half. While there were fewer plays, there were even more options within every one of the sales. Lombardi spoke of the relentless chase for perfection on every down. By the end of Lombardi's first by the end of Lombardi's first year, Starr had won over his own coach with sensational performance in victories over Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers. To help Green Bay close the year to seven and five put seven and five. Bart Starr were going to have one of the great quarterbacks in football, Lombardi said. Lombardi told Frank Gifford on his radio show following the season. Let's see one thing. Yeah, simplistic. I heard, I heard that uh, they, only, they only had eight plays. And, but, they, you know, as they talked about the options and that stuff off that, you know, the different routes they could run. But that was that was important because that was starting to read the defense and he was so he had such discipline. And he was so uh calm and cool and poised. You know, Star grew up in a I'm not gonna take this too far, but Star grew up in a family that his dad was a, I think his dad was a general or something like that in the army. And uh that's the way he ruled the roost. And for me, that says a lot. So, Star was, Star was Star was ready. He was ready because of his dad and to be a great quarterback and to grow up right with Lombardi. He fit right in. Anyways, here we go. Boy, was Lombardi right? The son of a career up oh, here we go. <laughs> son of a career Air Force Master Sergeant. Star had the uh, mental fortitude necessary to succeed under the demanding Lombardi. Oh, but well, Star's arm was far from cannon-like, and he didn't scare anybody with physically. Few have even been smarter. He understood every intricacy of Lombardi's offense. Recognized. All complexities the defense could throw at him, and almost always, almost always made the right decision. Star led the Packers to the 1960 NFL Championship game, where they lost 17 to 13. It would be the only preseason postseason game Star ever lost. And that was a uh, that was the game where they Chuck Bednarik, Eagle Star linebacker and center and two way player. They ta- he tackled Taylor, and uh, Taylor took a pass out of the backfield. And Packers were driving and they they tackled Taylor and Bednarik just took about took his time getting off. Let's just put it that way, and uh, the clock ran out. But Dutton Lombardi said afterwards that 
We didn't lose, the clock just simply ran out. And uh, I like that comment. Starr finished his brilliant career with a 9-1 playoff record and ranks as the greatest postseason quarterback in history. Although Green Bay was always a run-first operation under Lombardi, Starr was always there to make a play when the Packers needed one. Starr almost never made a mistake, said Jerry Kramer, the Packers' right guard at the time. He was the caretaker of the offense. But he could be more than that. He could, he could be more than that if we needed him to be. Starr was exactly what we needed at that position. Unfortunately for Starr and the Packers, things weren't as rosy when he his playing days ended. Starr coached the Packers from 75 to 83 when his team struggled. They went 52 and 73. I'm sorry, 52, 76, and 3. Going back to coaching Green Bay was the biggest mistake I ever made in my life, Starr said. I was approached by the organization, and it turned out to be an enormous mistake. I was extremely disappointed. I disappointed the Packers and their fans. Starr retired following the 1971 season. Four years later, he was back as coach and general manager of a franchise heading south in a hurry. Yeah, he. I remember that uh, when Starr was hired. And uh, he was hired on it. His press conference was December 25 of 19... December 24th of 1970, uh, 1974. And um, I just remember watching it on TV. And I just remember the, the hope around here was incredibly intense. As the Packers were done losing. But uh, we had a little bit more losing to do. So, anyways, Starr was an experienced and overmatched early in his tenure. He was also left with an aging roster that looked that lacked top draft picks after former coach Dan Devine traded five picks for over-the-hill quarterback John Adel. In Starr's nine-year tenure, the Packers played in the postseason just once. Strike short in 1982 season. I accept all responsibility. I just didn't get it done, Star said. I haven't even sat and analyzed what went wrong. Early on, my inexperience hurt us, but in the later years, we had some good draft choices and we were beginning to make progress. But I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses. I just didn't get it done. Star almost always got it done on the field, though. But trying to get Starr to talk about himself to tougher than it's tougher than feeding vegetables to a toddler. The reason we had success is because that was a great football team, said Starr, who was among twelve players from the Green Bay Glory years in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I was just one part of a great team. I'm just going to go back here. Nine. I'm sorry. Twelve players from the Green Bay Warriors in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. My Lord. That is something else. 
describing just one moment is impossible for star. Heck, when you're choosing between an ice bowl, Super Bowl championships, and playing for the legendary Lombardi, you can see why it wouldn't, wouldn't be easy. I really think just the honor of playing on a five championship teams in seven years is the best thing said star said star seventy nine. Being a part of the team that was so unselfish was amazing. What we were able to do accomplish was very meaningful, especially the fact that we were able to get it done as a team. Star still talks to as many former teammates as possible. And needless to say, his heroics on the field will make him a Packer legend for generations to come. I'd like to pay tribute to what are unquestionably the world's greatest fans, Star said. They were loyal and very rabid, but I, and I had a time in my life when I played in front of them. I don't mean to be, uh, I don't mean to be Mr. Know-it-all or nothing like that because I'm not, but um, I think Jerry Kramer went in after this book was uh, produced. So the people like 13 Hall of Famers. It just, it says a lot about Lombardi and his staff. And uh, their player personnel office with uh, Jack Venisi. All right, enough of that. Now we're going to go on to David Whitehurst. Um, Quarterback controversies carry a sexy soap opera type storyline to them. But aside from making good copy and providing entertainment drama, they typically tear ass the fabric of a football team, causing an organization to battle both internally and externally. Back in the late 70s, star fans were, Packer fans were split on whether Lynn Dickey or David Whitehurst should be the team's leader. And while the Dickie Whitehurst debate might not have been, not have drawn the attention of classic quarterback controversies, quarterback controversies such as Steve Young, Joe Montana, Phil Simms, Jeff Hostetler, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, it certainly struck an error with Packer fans. Lynn challenged the Lynn challenged me every day to be as good as I could be. And I hope I did the same with him, said Star, or said Whitehurst. I keep saying Star, I'm sorry. Who works as a home home builder in Duluth, Georgia today. But through it all, I think we were really close. Whitehurst means personality. I'm sorry, Whitehurst means personally, although their plays on the playing the field was right too. What Dickey suffered a broken leg in week 9 of the 1977 season and the door swung open for Whitehurst. A 8th eighth, round eighth pick on a Furman. Whitehurst's first start came in the next week during a 10-9 loss to the Redskins on Monday Night Football. Over the next four games, Whitehurst had a pair of memorable performances. 
Winners win 17 of 22. Led the Packers to a 16-14 over victory over San Francisco. Whitehurst also guided the Packers to a 10-9 win over Detroit. Oh, that's great stuff. He was he was a he was a great leader. He was a great leader. That's that's a that's a term people use way too much. He's a very good he's a very good leader. It might have been one of his strongest uh credentials. For a Green Bay team, that was two and seven when Dickie Pet went down. The finish which raised Green Bay record to four and ten, excited the coaching staff and the fans. Wow. I thought I played decently for a rookie, Whitehurst said. I was just happy to be there, and all of a sudden I was a starter. That didn't change the following year. Well, was Dickie still off for the entire 1978 season? Whitehurst started the all 16 games and engineered Green Bay to a 7-2 start. But the Packers fell flat on their collective Faces over the final nine games finished eight seven and one and missed the playoffs. Still, the fans didn't seem to blame Whitehurst, voting him the team's most valuable player in nineteen seventy eight fan poll. Whitehurst's popularity began to slip though during a five and eleven campaign in nineteen seventy nine. Then he started the first thirteen games before Dickey returned with the final three. Whitehurst then missed the fishbowl type. Atmosphere that exists in Green Bay began to take a toll on him. All I wanted to do was play football, but I always felt that I had people looking over my shoulder. He said of the fans, "I had them, I had them cheer for me, and I had them boo me. All I needed was to play. All I needed was play." Back then, I didn't want the distractions. Now, I don't feel that I said that boy. But back then, I did. I was too immature. I was too immature at 22 or 23 to recognize that. The fans in Green Bay are the greatest in the country. All in all, Whitehurst started 34 consecutive games between 1977 and 1979. Passing, passing for nearly 5,000 yards and 21 touchdowns. So in 1980, rolled around, he fully expected to beat Dickey out for the starting quarterback job. At that start, at that point, I didn't think he was better than me, Whitehurst said of Dickey. But once we started practicing and playing, he proved he was pretty quickly. And he just kept go, kept it going. Dickey just did just that, starting all the three games over the next four seasons and shattering several Green Bay passing records. In the process, Whitehurst, meanwhile, played the role of a good, good soldier, quietly serving as a backup through the 1983 season. I should have been more mature and appreciated the starting job more than I did when I had it, he said. 
I look back and that was just what a great time of my life. I played hard and worked hard and handled had a blast. There are timers there are times you wish you could recapture though for just a moment. Despite Dickie's stellar play, Wires did have a few shining moments after the losing of Green Bay, Green Bay starting job. Nineteen eighty one he helped the Packers go sell it six and two down the stretch and finish the year eight and eight. In a week nine victory over Seattle, Whitehurst called rallied the Packers from behind on three occasions before they finally prevailed thirty four to twenty four. The following week Whitehurst came off the bench and hit John Jefferson with a forty one yard pass late in the game and set up Jan Steiner with game-winning field goal. 26-24 victory over, over the New York Giants. And then the next week, he returned to the starting lineup and threw three touchdowns in a 21-17 win over Chicago. Whitehurst's play was primarily in mop-up duty the next, th- the next two seasons, but we did, did have one shining moment in 1983. In the season opener, he relayed an alien dicky and guided an overtime drive that led to the Steiner's game-winning 42-yard field goal and a 41-38 victory over the Houston Oilers. Yeah, this is uh, the Houston Green Bay game. It was incredible. But the only thing was, if you play on that carpet, I think there's some guys that had CT from that and all their ailing like knees and knee injuries. That stuff is just, I can't believe somebody made a decision back then to play on that. And uh, obviously they didn't have the players and anything to do with the owners. Because the cheapest, it was the cheapest thing to lay down. So that's what they did. And they didn't take into they didn't take into effect how the players liked it. So unfortunately they had to play on it. When Whitehurst's career as a Packer ended, he had joined Burt, Starr, Tobin Rowan, Arnie Herber, and Dickey as the only quarterbacks of in Green Bay history to exceed six thousand yards. To be honest, I was a boy I had bull average talent. But I have the intangibles to make me an average football player who played all seven of his of his seasons in Green Bay for Bart Starr. To get what I did out of my career with my talent, I am happy. I love that quote. That's honesty right there. You know, there's no enhancing anything. And uh, I really appreciate him for that. I played for one of my childhood heroes of Bart, and all I was able to be around him at a time in my life where I was influenced very, I was influenced very easily. It's tough to find a better influence than Bart was. Whitehurst has watched great, with great pride as his son Charlie has reached the NFL as well, 
Charlie was a standout at Clemson and a third-round pick of the Chargers in the 2006. Like his father, Charlie has been mostly a backup in the NFL. Watching Charlie, watch Charlie has been a thrill. Whitehurst admits nothing can compare it to this time of Green Bay. Anytime I look back, I wish I had, would have appreciated that more, Whitehurst said, because that was a great time in my life. Alright, I'm going to go on to Chapter 2, Playmakers. Alright, we're going to go on to Don Beebe. And, uh, here we go. Super Bowl 31 was about to end. Green Bay had dominated New England and was set too close to close out a 35 to 21 victory with the franchise's 12th World Championship. Quarterback Brett Favre took the final snap, dropped to one knee, and <clears throat> turned to wide receiver Don Beebe, who was in the game as a personal prote- protector. After the last place, after the last play. Brett turned to me, baby recalled, and I asked if I could have the ball. Brett said, if anyone deserves it, it's you. I took the ball and ran through all the through all the uh, craziness to the to the corner of the stadium and found my wife and my family. I gave her I gave my wife the ball, then we had and had my oldest daughter. Oldest oldest daughter one arm in my Son and the other. It was a pretty special moment, and I still have the uh, the ball in my den today. But I was right. Well, the 1996 Packers were filled with stars like Favre, Reggie White, Leroy Butler, and Antonio Freeman. BB replaced enormous role, played an enormous role in Green Bay's rise to greatness. And if it wasn't for the uh, Performance against the San Francisco 49ers week 7 that season. There's a chance those Packers would would have never reached the Super Bowl. BB was the Green Bay's number 3 wild that year and when he came to Lambeau Field in the Monday night showdown against the against the 49ers and Unforgettable night in Packer history. Just one of those nights where I was touched by an angel. And how? Against first player, play the against first play. Starting wide receiver Robert Brooks. Suffered a season-ending knee injury, and Beebe stepped into the spotlight. The diminutive speedster caught 11 passes for 220 yards and guided the Packers to a dramatic 23-20 overtime win. 
over the 49ers. BB had 220 receiving yards. Still, still ranked third in Packer history. While his 11 catches in the game were tied for fifth. Considering what was at stake that night, BB's performance was even more impressive. And Green Bay lost, the 49ers would have finished with the NFC's best record earned home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Instead, the Packers finished one game ahead of San Francisco, had the NFC's top rate, top record, and rolled their home field advantage all the way to Super Bowl 31 championship. Well, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening today. And if nobody else has told you that they love you today, I do. And God bless through the power of love. Thanks.